Hello and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 155. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I'm Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're discussing the original series episodes The Galileo 7, The Squire of Gothos, and Arena. Here we go. The Galileo 7, Season 1, Episode 16, Production Code 014, Original Air Date, January 5th, 1967, Directed by Robert Gist, Story by Oliver Crawford, Teleplay by Oliver Crawford and S. Barr David, Music Composed by Alexander Courage. Guest cast include Don Marshall as Lieutenant Boma, John Crawford as Commissioner Ferris, Peter Marco as Lieutenant Gaetano, Phyllis Douglas as Yeoman Mears, Reese Vaughn as Lieutenant Latimer, Grant Woods as Lieutenant Kellowitz, Buck Maffei as Creature, and David Ross as Transporter Chief. The Enterprise, en route to Mascus Three, delivering much-needed medical supplies to be distributed at the plague-ridden New Paris colony, passes close to a quasar-like formation of four-star systems. Kirk, standing orders require him to study. Since the Enterprise is not scheduled to rendezvous for five days, Kirk decides to send a science team composed of Spock, McCoy, Scotty, and four other specialists from the crew in a shuttlecraft to investigate the formation. Well, it'll take more than logic to get us out of this. Perhaps, Doctor, but I know of no better way to begin. I realize that command does have its fascinations, even under circumstances such as these. But I neither enjoy the idea of command, nor am I frightened of it. It simply exists. And I will do whatever logically needs to be done. The Galileo 7. I've always loved this episode. I really I really do. Um, and it's a little bit weird. It's not usually something I see on people's list, you know, of um, necessarily, you know, of their favorite episode. Uh, but it is definitely up there for me. I, um, it does it does so many things so well. Um, it uh, we get a lot with Spock uh, as far as of course you know seeing his um, you know those those a little bit of his two sides you know we definitely see some of the emotional stuff but mostly we we get to see this practical application of you know uh, the way he employs logic um, it's it's really this is really kind of the first flat out Spock episode I think and there aren't very many of them you know the vast majority of the original series are Kirk episodes. And then there are a couple of Spock episodes, and you know, and that's about it. And this is this is definitely a flat-out Spock episode to me, because even even the Kirk stuff, it tends to be the same scene over and over. You know, you see, you, you kind of it they blur together, um, and it really does feel like a Spock episode. I mean, obviously, I like the Spock character, but there's something about this episode, um, the way the the insight that it gives us into him and getting to see just him alone with McCoy a lot, which is always so much fun. There are just so many great things about this episode. I'm not sure, like I said, how popular this episode is, um, but it's just always been one that was close to my heart. Uh, guys, what are some of your first thoughts on the Galileo 7? Um, I'd agree with you, Brian. Um, I, I liked it too. I, I agreed that it was a Spock-centric episode. Um, like I said that the Kirk stuff was kind of the, the B story of this episode. Um, you know, we get to see, obviously, we get to see a lot of Spock, you know, um, dealing with command, learning command, all kind of in this one mission, you know, McCoy obviously sets it up early on, you know, this is your, your first chance at command. We get to see him wrestle with it um, throughout the episode, you know, he does some good things, he does some bad things, so um, he, um, he, he definitely learns a lot in this whole episode, and I would have to say that 
the visual effects in this episode were probably the the most I've seen in any of the episodes thus far. Um, oh, the new the new effects. Yeah, yeah, they were great. In the new quasar system, I think they showed the whole. There was a new shuttle bay. You know, when the shuttle was launching, that was all new. So, um, yeah, it was. I enjoy this episode as well. Yeah, one thing you said there, I think, hits it on the head. Um, we do see Spock learn and grow in this episode, and and he's one of our main characters, and we would definitely see that. You know, uh, the original series, a lot of bottle episodes. You know, um, almost entirely bottle episodes. <laughs> um, well, I don't necessarily mean bottle that they take place in the ship. I mean um, that there's no like uh, story continuity from one episode to the next. Uh, you know, everything. Yeah, everything kind of resets at the end of each episode. Um, and one of the consequences of that is that we don't see the characters, our main characters, grow all that much uh, or change. Um, but uh, I, unquestionably. Um, Spock learns and grows in this episode, and he's a stronger character, he's a stronger person uh, at the end of this episode than he is at the beginning. Uh, Steve, some of your uh, first thoughts here, Galileo 7? Yeah, I, I, I too enjoy this episode, it's very memorable, I, I know it back to front, so I'm sure I've seen it a number of times, more than the average, uh, more than I've seen some of the others perhaps. Um, is this the first example also of when you have the uh, the annoying butthole on the bridge who's pressing everybody. I mean, you know, because we see a lot of that eventually, some in the original series and in other series as well in Star Trek, but I think this might be the first time we get that kind of character, you know, that's always, I don't care about your people, we're going to, you're going to get this stuff to this place by this time and drive around Or like crazy uh, Commodore Decker in Doomsday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Machine, yeah. Yeah. I, I like your comment, the, uh, the original butthole. <laughs> That'd be a nice T-shirt. Picture of that guy with the original butthole. The OB. <laughs> yeah, definitely a lot of cool new VFX stuff. Um, it's funny because I remember, I do remember this episode really well. So it's definitely one that I've watched, uh, like you, Steve, uh, way more than many of the other episodes. Um, and I think it's one of those where. My brain filled in a lot of stuff that doesn't really happen <laughs> um, in the old in the old effects versions because you can say they're they're writing it down oh they're gonna this shit's gonna start to break up uh, on reentry and then they're gonna be beamed in and and all that stuff sounds sounds great and then you watch the episode it's like always the same shot of the shuttlecraft just sitting there no matter what <laughs> <you know? laughs> yeah. um, so it is kind of fun the new VFX you know I I'm I'm hesitant to ever. Um, allowed the new VFX to, you know, change my fundamental opinion of the episode. So it's hard for me to imagine, like, the new VFX making me like an episode that I might have disliked before. Um, well, or vice versa, for that matter. Uh, but in this episode, um, there's so much, and there's so much cool stuff, and there's so much in the script that was that they never were going to realize at the time, you know, um, that it's definitely it's definitely fun. Uh, you know, I definitely think that, in fact, it, so far, if you, if you were only going to watch one episode with new VFX, to me, this would be the one to do it. <laughs> too, too bad they couldn't um, do the effects for the the wobbling monsters. <laughs> Those were amusing, the the big um, spear chucking. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they make like these, these itty bitty spheres for them to hold so that they can cut to the next shot where they have like a 
triple size spear that yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. Spock can pick up. You know, uh, it's definitely you know this episode is definitely one of those um, where the the show's budget and time constraints uh, come through. Even just uh, Spock walking through the shuttlecraft when it's you know crashed or parked, however you want to it, on the planet, he he's walking back to front. And you hear like the wood floor squeak, squeaking. That's <laughs> <laughs> the creaks. So it's still all in there. Um, my one laugh out, my one laugh out loud moment was um, when you know when it's Spock and the other two crewmen. You know the second time they'd gone out and they were laying down phaser fire and he's like okay you stay here we're gonna leave <laughs> and he, just the, whoever the, yeah, actor, yeah. the look on his face he's like what well you know what it was because it, like it's the guy it's Gaetano and Gaetano was the one giving Spock all that crap <laughs> oh we should be firing whatever and what happens Spock's like alright you stick around bud I guess, <laughs> I guess that's Spock's way of saying I guess you should have shut the hell up <laughs> <laughs> and you know of course he dies I mean it's like it's so like I, why even leave him there? <laughs> what was he supposed to be doing? <laughs> Continue to fire indiscriminately into the fog when you hear creatures. Okay. Do I really have to be here for that? Or I mean, I could do that back at the shuttle. Really. Yeah. I think, you know, if, if it was me, that's what I would do. The, yeah, they all, of course, the whole... That is funny because they're saying like, "Oh, we're gonna need to lose all the, you know, like you say, drop the weight of the people there." And, and they, they all by now. I mean, we're far enough along in the series. They everyone knows what happens to people, and they go on away missions. Why do they even bring it up? It's like, well, that'll probably take care of itself. <laughs> yeah, Gaetano should have been like, "Wait, why, why are you posting me here? I mean, I'm gonna be. Uh, well, we have to lose another 150 pounds. Well, yeah. <laughs> we're not gonna take off." Well, Spock said he would figure it out <laughs> in the logical way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess he did. You know, another thing that actually makes me laugh in this episode every time, I don't know why it's so funny to me, is how completely indifferent Scotty is to everything going on between <laughs> Spock and the the uh, insubordinate crewman. Mm-hmm. Like, he just, he's not even take he's not taking either side, he just doesn't care. <laughs> He's, he's not. not he's not into. He's not into people. See, he's into his yeah, machines, right? right? So right. there's all this crap of the people burying people, whatever you know. Yeah. He's like, I want to get the hell out of here. Yeah. Even then, you've got you've got um, Bowman or whatever saying, Spock, you have to come out of here. You know, it's never like, well, I mean, it's a given that Scotty's not going to come. Out. <laughs> <laughs> he's got stuff to do. What are you? Doing? <laughs> it's, it's just, that's funny. It is all. It is nearly over the top. I mean, you know, they're. It's almost like they're trying to egg Spock on with it, you know, because like it's, it's just like, well, we got to go out and marry him. Yeah, I mean, they might as well be out there like shooting arrows at him right then when they say we got to go bury our people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's 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 kind of stupid, you know, or whatever. It's like, come on, you know, I get that you have some compassion for your people, but let's all brave the giant spears, you know, to put them in the ground, you know, jeez. It's it's funny that what we're saying. It sounds like we we wouldn't like this episode, but we do very much. We're just we're just uh, teasing it for its um yeah, yeah having fun with it. <laughs> right, right. You guys got a favorite scene in this one? I like multiple scenes. I mean, I like the scenes with um Spock and McCoy. I like those scenes, and then you know that at the end, the end scene where, you know. Spock is speaking out loud, you know, he's rationalizing everything in his head out loud, you know, following all the logic, did all the right things is a kind of a good um, insight into the Spock psyche. Yeah, I can't think of the specific scene, but I agree. I mean, you know, those are always good Spock-McCoy scenes, you know, but yeah, there is a lot of that stuff. And uh, yeah, I like, I like, I like those scenes the best, but there, but there's a, there's a lot of good stuff and it's, it's hard to, 
nail it down. What's this episode about? Well, it's about command, I guess. I mean, this is a good episode about command, taking command and um, the difference between logic and, um, I guess, feeling, I suppose, is a, is a deeper meaning to this, you know, because it's the, I think McCoy set it up, you know, you have to know something. You can't just always think of things logically when you're in command. Yeah, and um, I mean, as we already said, Spot grows in this episode, and I think that the, it's like I don't know if he's just in this episode, but he certainly begins to understand the value of intuition and imagination, you know, creative thought, you know, the the kind of spur of the moment action, spontaneity, those kinds of things. He uh, he's, he, I think he may be learning the value of those things and connecting a bit with his human side because of that. Yeah, so a lot of fun. A lot of fun this episode. The, I originally thought I, I would play this one um, for my five-year-old, um, just because he might enjoy the giant creatures. <laughs> but then I realized, you know, today we're discussing the Gorn episode, so I had to play in that one. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll get When we get to that, you'll we can talk about it. But basically, watching Arena... He was very bored and disinterested and playing with his toys and not paying any attention. And then the gourd came on screen and he was glued to the screen. <laughs> it was great. Uh, but we're not talking about that one. We're talking about Galileo 7. And I liked it a lot. Okay. Let's do six degrees for Galileo 7. Adam, are you going first or second? Both of these are episode titles. Um, I guess I'll go first. Phyllis Douglas plays Yeoman Mears the red shirt that survives that shuttlecraft adventure. In the original series' third season, she plays a hippie. Name the episode. I'm not giving you very many details, just one word. Hippie. Hey, brother. I have no idea. Bad on the episode. Names. Steve? Um, I, I know the episode. I'm, I'm just racking my brain here trying to remember the uh, scene that's going to come to me. Um, Head now. Yeah, I remember all that crap. That's uh, that's uh, <laughs> um, nah. It's I'm not gonna get it. Head now to Eden. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The episode is the way to Eden. Mm-hmm. Steve David L. Ross plays the transporter chief who transports stuff. <laughs> okay, <laughs> he will play a different character and get killed in the second season in the episode with the Pledge of Allegiance. Name the episode. So a little theme here. We go from hippie, <laughs> Pledge of Allegiance, and that's all you get. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Again, I know it. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> the first word is the. Three words. Uh, I can't think of it. Adam? I'm not going to waste our listeners' time. I have no idea. <laughs> the Omega Glory. Yeah, 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 yeah. All I'm right. just... Yeah, another day those would have come right to me. It's just not happening. The Squire of Gothos, Season 1, Episode 17, Production Code 018, Original Air Date, January 12th, 1967, Directed by Don McDougall, Written by Paul Schneider, Music Composed by Alexander Courage. Guest cast include William Campbell as Trelane, Richard Carlyle as Geophysicist Carl Yeager, Michael Barrier as Lieutenant DeSalle, and Benita Volf as Yeoman Teresa Ross. The Enterprise is on an eight-day supply mission to Colony Beta-6. Along the journey, the ship encounters a rogue planet. Without the time to really stop and investigate it, Kirk orders the planet to be recorded for future operations missions and to continue with their original heading. 
When Lieutenant Sulu attempts to enter a course around the planet, he suddenly vanishes from the bridge. Then Kirk soon vanishes moments later. What happened? Fill me in. You disappeared from the bridge after Sulu. We've been looking for you for four hours. You must excuse my whimsical way of fetching you here. But when I saw you passing by, I simply could not resist. Squire of Gothos. A very memorable episode that is memorable and works for me, almost entirely because of uh, William Campbell's performance. Uh, and with those few words, I will say, Steve, why don't you kick us off? Well, that's... Yeah. Um, I stole it from you, didn't I? I just well, that's stole damn near, it from you. Ex- that's practically exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, or more <laughs> or less. That, yeah, it's very memorable, mostly. Be- yeah, it's because of him. Because on the whole, the... the the plot and what's going on is, I mean, you know, there's some silliness in it, kind of some parts drag and, you know, all this kind of stuff. So I don't know, but, but yeah, the character is very memorable and that's what makes the, uh, and his performance of that character. So it makes that episode, the episode as a whole, very memorable. And of course, uh, we see uh, yet another example. What we're going to see a lot of is, um, you know, all-powerful beings are very, very close to all-powerful beings in original series episodes. Um, taunting the crew in some respect or another so you know you get some quirky stuff and you know whatever but uh anyway yeah but yeah that's i don't know what else i can really say about that i mean it, william campbell as trelane trelane's very memorable which makes the episode very memorable but i don't i i don't like really dig the episode or something like that you know it's 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 fine and it's got some fun little quirky things but um yeah i think for me outside of William Campbell, um, it's not as there's there is there's not a lot there aren't a lot of meat there isn't a lot of meat on that that bone, um, but William Campbell is so good that I enjoy watching this episode. I wouldn't want to mm-hmm. not you know I'm glad we have it. Yeah yeah yeah. Um, Adam, what are, what are some of your first thoughts on Square of Gothos? Um yeah, I think I'd agree with both you guys. Um, it's definitely a memorable episode. Um, the the Squire, he's um definitely a memorable character. Um. If you're a fan of Next Gen, there's little there's little links to this character and um, the Q character from Next Generation. You kind of see some similarities, just kind of very verbose and likes to show off and um, likes to torture the crew in one way or another. So kind of, I mean, we'll see more of those powerful be- beings throughout this um, the original series, but this one kind of resembles Q a little bit. And, that was one of my favorite characters, so it's kind of fun to see it, and maybe that this was possibly the genesis of that character. It does, you know, we've we've all heard that over the years, that there was, like, influence, but it, it certainly feels like Trelane is, like, a prototypical version of, uh, of Q. You know, Q, Q will end up being <laughs> slightly less, I mean, childlike, I was going to say. I mean, um... Trelane is is pretty much literally a, a kid, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's kind of what we think, you know. Um, we wouldn't go that far with Q, but um, there's, there's definitely a great influence there. I was surprised that, um, so, you know, the, the salt vampire is back there, and Trelane, I think Trelane fires his weapon mm-hmm. at the salt. McCoy walks right by that salt vampire <laughs> and does not recognize his old flame. <laughs> yeah, I know. You think you get? And how do you, you know, your your girlfriend you had for so long? Uh, how does he just ignore her like that? 
No, didn't didn't, didn't even shed a tear. I didn't think that was very southern. You know that whole southern gentleman thing. I mean, it seemed like he just walked right by her. Mm-hmm. I was a little disappointed in the the sets. I mean, you know, obviously they're budget constraints, but you know they just have that one little dining room slash mirror. It was kind of. I don't know. I I, I was kind of like. I mean, certainly. I forget. What's is he playing like a harpsichord or something? Mm-hmm. Again, maybe it's a lot of it's William Campbell's performance, but it, it all seems to the mise en scene. You know, it all seems to kind of like support the flamboyance of his performance to me somehow. Um, maybe you know uh, the 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 bit where he there's a trial, you know, and he's like the the judge, which again is another bit that really makes you think of Cube. By the way, of course, you know Farpoint. That part's pretty you know bare. There's not a lot there, but there doesn't need to be. If they're close up, so. Mm. I don't know that the the sets the sets are okay for me. Did that bother you at all, Steve? No, it didn't didn't really occur to me. I mean, I guess I didn't hear the uh, floor creak when they walked on it. At least, <laughs> yeah, that's positive. They're pretty loosey goosey with the time thing. So they mentioned nine hundred years prior, and I guess you know, but obviously that doesn't make much. That sense. That would put this math. in the twenty seventh century, which nope. The DeSalle guy who apparently can lead an away team or a landing party. That's kind of what you know. He initially he was the leader of the landing party, but he's kind of a he's kind of a clown. He's got a temper. <laughs> I don't think he's a very effective uh, leader of a landing party. I did. I have to admit, I was watching this episode kind of late at night, and I was kind of when they were having their the Kirk, uh, well, weapon free Kirk, and Trelane has that sword, so they're sort of having a sword fight fight or whatever they're doing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was kind of dozing off actually. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, it, it just kind of keeps going. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it does. That's one thing, you know, the original series, God bless it, but, you know, this these are the longest episodes. We've t- I've talked about that before, you know, these are generally 51 minutes just because in the 60s they, they didn't have uh, as many commercials as they do today. So if any, so these episodes are longer and they didn't have the, you know, modern ability to move the camera and edit really fast and the kind of stuff that already speeds up stuff. So they're they're longer and they're slower mm-hmm. and they're longer. So there there are times when it, it does feel a lot like well, kind of like in the um in the last episode we were discussing Galileo 7, all those cutbacks to uh Kirk and the Commodore, I guess, mm-hmm. whatever he was. Um Galactic Admiral Commissioner of yeah. Um Galactic Commissioner maybe. Mhm. Um, let's talk about that for 10 minutes. Exactly what was it? Uh, <laughs> all those cutbacks there, like the, maybe the, the, the first two were unique. And then after that, it was just repeating the same scene over and over and over and over and over. And that started, you know, it made me feel the running time in a way that I would rather not. Well, and that, and that just, um, shows how, how strong episodes are when they don't feel that way. Because for those reasons you point out, they're slower and they're longer. And then, so the, so the episodes we do run across where it feels like, oh, this feels just right and it's a good pace and it's, you know, 50 plus, 50 minutes, whatever. And it's this kind of editing and it still holds up. I mean, that just, you know, makes it even more solid. And there's not a lot of those, you know, there's most episodes got some time where it feels like it's going slow or something. Well, it makes, you know, hey, we're coming up next year is going to be... 30 years for the first season of Next Gen. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I'm certain that there are there are episodes of Next Gen that feel dated and slow, especially the first season, mm-hmm. in the way that, you know, this show is 50 years old. Because I remember, you know, thinking like, oh, well, what are some of these episodes going to feel like? I mean, even DS9 is like, what are these, these going to feel like when they're 20 years old or 
30 or having, you know, gosh, 50. Um, they did not feel slow at the time. We watched them at the time. They did not feel slow, but I'm certain they will in the future. But you're right. Stuff like stuff like um, Balance of Terror doesn't feel that way. Mm-hmm. No. I guess we're not talking a lot about this episode. There isn't a lot to it. Well, I was going to say, here's something I like about these episodes. We're, we're to the point now, we're far enough into the show where there's a very clear sense of, you know, when we all look back on the on Star Trek, we say, oh, we, we know the core, you know, Spock, McCoy, Kirk, um, Sulu in the later seasons, Chekhov, Scotty, Uhura, whatever. Uh, if you were watching the first few episodes, the first ten episodes or something, that wouldn't have been so clear. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, But we're getting into that point now where it starts to become clear and then it really feels like Star Trek in, in a fun way for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that's that's just one of those little minor things that we probably take for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's just this sweet spot when when Star Trek, the original series, was exactly what our memories tell us it was <laughs> before it started getting maybe the third season when they're not so <laughs> such great episodes. <laughs> so, you know, for me it's like this middle of the first season, I don't know, halfway into the second or something where it's got that sweet spot for me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this 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 episode does feel like what my brain tells me the original series was. In a way that yes. say um where no man is good for, gone before maybe maybe is not, you know? Yeah, we're we're starting to hear some of the um normal thing, you know, you're starting to hear like warp one, warp two, whereas mm-hmm. early on in the early episode it was just warp drive. I think um in the next episode we'll get all the way to warp eight. I think will be the first time we'll see we'll hear that. Anything else you guys want to say on this one before we say what it's about? Any other scenes you wanted to point out or anything like that? The gas masks are dumb. <laughs> I did. I did enjoy the again. I did enjoy the look on um, DeForest Kelly's face. I, he did a good job when um, Spock said he had to go down to the planet, and McCoy, you will accompany them. You just get this kind of this subtle look, like really. <laughs> 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 I got to go down there because <laughs> at the time, you know, they thought it was just this gassy, yeah. nasty planet. No, he was thinking Jim wouldn't make me go. <laughs> All right, what's this episode about? Um, I don't know, you know, you have the, the squire, I mean, you know, I guess part of the problem that we have with this episode, it's not about any of our our main characters, I mean, it's more more or less about um, the squire, um, which is fun, because it's a great character, but I think it makes it harder to kind of say what this episode's about, because by the end of it, you kind of just find out, you know, you have to kind of grow up and be responsible, I don't know. Steve? Yeah, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's 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 definitely they're trying to sell the whole oh, he's just a kid thing and, you know, but he's got all his ultimate power and everything's relative with that and all that, but it's just kind of so what or whatever. I mean, I, I like yeah. how they, you know, Spock and Kirk, or Kirk and crew, how they they start to figure out that, you know, when they're talking about the food doesn't have flavor or the fire mm-hmm. doesn't have any heat, you know, I like the way that they start yeah. to kind of figure out figure out how to overcome him and and what his weaknesses are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't, I don't get. Do we like this? Is this a good episode? Uh, it's an okay episode that has an incredible guest star. Well, I mean, you know, just it's it's interesting because of the character. I think. You know, just, you know, you know, this kind of this omnipotent type being, I mean, I think that's kind of what makes the episode interesting, but 
I think in the end it's really not about about anything, so it makes it hard to say that it's a a really good um, science fiction episode. Yeah, I think it's the, like you said, the okay episode with a great guest star. More like that. All right. Well, let's do six degrees for the Squire of Gothos. I believe our score is nil to nada. <laughs> that sound right? Mm-hmm. Sounds right. Okay. Uh, who went first last time? Adam? I think I did. I think yes. did. So, Steve. Yep. William Campbell plays Trelane. He is probably better known for Trek to Trek fans for playing what Klingon in the original series' second season, The Trouble with Tribbles. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's see if I can get it I'll right I'll give you here. a hint. It starts with a K. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> is it... Koloth? You are correct. It's Koloth. All right, good. Adam, Campbell returned to the role of Koloth in the DS9 episode Blood Oath. In which season of DS9? Would that be season two? You are correct. Look at that. One to one. We are moving on. Arena, season one, episode 18. Production code 019. Original air date, January 19th, 1967. Directed by Joseph Pepney. Story by Frederick Brown. Teleplay by Gene L. Kuhn. Music composed by Alexander Courage. Guest cast include Carol Shelley as the Metron, Bobby Clark as Gorn, Grant Woods as Lieutenant Kellowitz, Sean Kinney as Lieutenant DePaul, Eddie Paskey as Lieutenant Leslie, Jerry Ayers as O'Herlihy, Tom Troop as Lieutenant Harold, and James Farley as Lang. The Enterprise arrives at Cestus III outpost by invitation of its commanding officer. Kirk, Spock, McCoy, and a security force beam down, but the crew find the outpost obliterated. They find one survivor who says the base came under heavy bombardment from an unknown enemy. The way team then soon find themselves under heavy fire nearby, with two of the security team killed in the initial volley. What happened to the Gorn? I sent him back to his ship. If you like, I shall destroy him for you. No, that won't be necessary. We can talk. Maybe reach an agreement. Very good, Captain. There is hope for you. Arena. So, yeah, as I mentioned earlier... Um, I chose to play this episode for my son, and actually my my wife sat down and watched it with us. <laughs> and um, yes, he was very in, not very interested um, until the Gorn came on screen. And then <laughs> my wife said, when they started fighting, my wife said, completely seriously, not trying to be funny, she said, <laughs> she said, why is the Gorn moving so slow? <laughs> <laughs> and then um, Kirk threw a, that rock at the Gorn. So right after she said that, my son said, that didn't even hurt him. The Gorn is strong enough. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. And then the Gorn picks up that big that big rock and he says, the Gorn is strong enough to throw that big rock. That's it. That's the... <laughs> That's your story. That is my familial analysis. Um, so... He he enjoyed it very much. And then I think my wife fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> the Gorn was very slow but very tough was the analysis, right? Adam, do you how well do you how well did you remember this episode? I mean we all remember Vasquez Rocks, we all remember, you know, a, a shot or two of the Gorn fight, but I remember seeing this one as a young a young lad, actually. Um I I remember it vividly, you know, in my parents' living room 
probably after Saturday Mass or something like that. It's usually when we watched him. I remember seeing this like very like probably early '80s. Um, it was kind of it was a very memorable episode. Probably just like your son, you know, you see this weird lizard-like creature. I think um, I think Kirk even describes it in in the episode. He says, you know, um, humans just kind of have a natural dislike for reptiles or whatever. I don't know what his little speech was there, but I mean, yeah, it's just, I think it's just memorable because of that. It's a scary looking half dinosaur, huge eyed creature in a loincloth pretty much. So yeah, <laughs> it's, it's very memorable as a, as a young child. Well, and I think, I think this is a good example of an episode that has something different to offer for different ages and generations, you know, I mean, we've already kind of alluded to that, but then, you know, the, the fascination with the, the creature and such, but, but yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot going on here. I mean, you have basically, there's conversation regarding the prospect of war with another species, what, what, um, you know, justifies war, justifies battle, um, this notion of, once again, an all-powerful being, coming into play here and then pitting two sides against each other so then and then you have that kind of problem solving like you know how is he gonna make a weapon thing you know there's a lot of different things happening here it's like a lot of a lot of little episodes rolled into one and of course the very iconic imagery because we've yeah we've seen so many of these you know picture stills of this and these little scenes over and over again because it's just such a why do you think that happened why did why did it become so iconic <sighs> There are there are epi- I mean I like this episode I think it's a good solid episode I really do yeah, yeah but yeah. there are better episodes of the original series that are not so iconic certainly not uh, visually mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so why is that do you think well I mean I think we you have the there's always the um, there's w- one possibility of course is that um, stuff feeds off itself I mean you know when you see you know once they use images from a particular episode and you see certain certain things then other other sources want to pick that up too and use the same things also it's got this kind of i don't i'm not going to say it's like a uh, prototypical episode of trek but it is a it's the the imagery with shatner as kirk in the fight with this gorn i mean you know i i don't know it's 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 either iconic or absurd or whatever it depends on your view but it kind of works both ways right i mean you've <laughs> it's either laughable or it's oh man the, 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 it's so iconic and memorable and you know the, his tete-a-tete with the gorn you know it just depends on your perspective but i, I think it works both ways you know yeah, I think there's. I would agree with Steve. There's something for you know. There's something for everybody to find in this episode. I mean, you know, I think what I kind of forgot about this episode is how little of the Gorn that you get. I mean, I think it's almost halfway mm-hmm. or past halfway point in this episode when they when they start their, you know, their arena fight. You know, a lot of this episode, a lot of the meat of this episode. I think what Steve alluded to is you know, um, what is the justification for you know killing another species because that's what Kirk was intent on doing. He wanted to go and destroy this ship, um, you know, this fleeing ship, you know, and he would have done it if, if, if these aliens hadn't stopped him. Yeah. When Spock says it, you know, something about, you're talking about uh, destroying a sentient life form. And that's something that should be at least more considered, I guess, is the implication. And Kirk says, no, basically. You got it, Spock. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, I think that yeah, there's some, there's some, there's some definitely some weight to this episode that um, is kind of missed. I mean, and that's because you know there's a little bit for everybody in here. You know, you can 
you can look at the Gorn scenes and say, oh, okay, they're kind of corny and goofy and kind of fun, or, you know, for a small child, it might be, like, fascinating and cool to see. So and I, I think that's what I remember about this episode is, is seeing as a small child. I mean, if you probably saw this episode as a young adult or like your wife, it might not be all that impressive or it might be kind of corny to you. I forgot how much of this episode, you know, opens up on with that, the battles, the battle scene where they're, you know, dropping the little mm-hmm. bombs or projectiles, whatever those are. Um, of course, famously, one of those explosions is what gave Bill Shatner that uh, tinnitus, you know, the ringing in the ears for life. Which is pretty awful. I'm sure they wouldn't do it that way today. Um, at least give the guy some earplugs <laughs> today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I forgot how much of it has... How Yeah, I, I agree. I, how much of this episode is without a Gorn. <laughs> you know? <laughs> One thing that bothered me just slightly, um, I forgot how much of the episode... That, that whole end, the whole last bit there is uh, Spock and McCoy... And the bridge, watching Kirk on the view screen, mm. it seems like it's almost—it's almost maybe just a little bit too long. Like a, they needed to cut back to Kirk on the on the planet again. I don't know. There's just a little minor point. Mm-hmm. It also is something that never occurred to me before. But the Gorn hissing so much—it's a little bit like a cat wearing a bell. <laughs> you know, as he's walking around and Kirk's trying to get away. And There's definitely some interesting sound effects for the for the um, the monsters in these episodes that we watched. I mean, the the giant mammoth men sounded like crickets. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I liked the narrative bit where the where Kirk is recording like a first person captain's log thing almost, uh, but then the the Gorn is listening into that. Do you think that was intentional? The, Met- the did Metrons do that intentionally, Tr- kind of trick him, each of them to communicate with one another like that? I mean, I don't know what other explanation there'd be. I mean, these guys are nearly godlike or whatever in what they're trying to do, and I don't think they'd have like some kind of tech glitch or whatever that caused this to happen. <laughs> so I mean, you know, well, you know what else? Yeah, that that one Metron. That? As soon as he gets back, he's like, Bob again. <laughs> <laughs> gotta fix that. <laughs> it's not a conference call. We were you know. <laughs> it's supposed to go this way. It's supposed to be their personal diary. How does this episode compare to the other two we've talked about today, pacing-wise? Because we were talking, when we were watching, we were talking about Squire of Gothos. We were talking about you know different episodes that maybe feel slower or not as slow, depending on the quality of the episode. But um, how does this episode compare? You think generally uh, pacing-wise? I thought it moved pretty good. There's kind of a, there's a lot going on, you know, and there's the planet and then, you know, Sulu gets command, they're back on and then their pursuit of this, um, the Gorn vessel. So, and then, then you're in the arena pretty much. So I thought the episode moved along pretty well. Um, pretty good pace. Yeah. I think that, I think, uh, Squire of Gothos suffered the most out of these three with the pacing, um, arena and, uh, the Galileo seven kind of just handled it in different ways. Arena is like, there's, there's a number of different, chapters or whatever you know and they split it up enough where it feels oh now this thing you know now this thing well there you know like we like we were talking about you know we always think of the gorn but it's like a the latter third of the episode and earlier on it's the 
arriving at the planet for the attack, and then it's the pursuit, and then it's the, you know, and all, and so on. The Galileo Seven handles it a little bit differently, just with um, kind of the back and the fo- back and forth, and they're stuck on the planet and different problems to solve, this kind of thing. But um, yeah, I think it's I think it's pretty well paced. You know, and I think it's good that the Gorn wasn't, you know, that that whole the whole arena scene wasn't longer than it was because I think if that would have mm-hmm. went on for like thirty plus minutes, you'd have been like, Ugh. yeah. yeah. How many, how many different things they can come up with? They could have just had the Gorn move slower. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's one way to do it. I mean, he could have just, like, waited till the Gorn just died of old age. I mean, you know, you could have just <laughs> run, run off somewhere and then slept. You know, you could run off somewhere and sleep, and by the time the Gorn caught up with you, it's time to wake up again. Maybe the guy, he could just die eventually. I don't know. Well, he would wake you up because you'd hear him hissing 50 feet away. Yeah, yeah, it's easy. Yeah. Did you did you like the I like the Gorn's persuasion. I was like, I'm growing weary. Just come over here so I can kill you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I also like when he does the, he, he hisses a lot, but he also does kind of the uh dastardly villain. He 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 when he's doing his <laughs> prepping his trap or whatever. <laughs> he's well, you know, you got to be happy in your work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What is this episode about? Um, you know, a lot of it is, you know, the morality of um, how far you go after your enemies, I guess. I mean, you know, I think a lot of it is in that in the, early on in the episode when um, Spock and Kirk are, are having that discussion. And, you know, we talked about it earlier. Spock's like, you know, how far, you know, how how far morally is it acceptable to take this without having a kind of discussion? And, you know, just... I think Kirk finally gets that at the end when he see, when he sees the Gorn injured and you know he wasn't going to just murder him. Yeah, I think I think it does a good job of take of taking war and the consequences from a macro level to a micro level because in the, in the first half of the episode you definitely understand the point of view of the policy of if if you have an invader and they have they're they're running away and they have intel they can use you should chase them down you should destroy them it's a policy i get it you know and so on by the end it's it's one on one you are smashing, getting ready to smash someone's skull with a rock, you know, and and then it brings it home a little more that there's life involved, you know. So yeah, I think it's the the value of life and the complications involved when you have you know a, a warring species and conflicts of interest and stuff too. But it still comes down to taking lives. Let's do six degrees for arena. Uh, I believe our score is one to one, and Steve went first last time, so. Mm-hmm. Adam. Yes. This episode features the first appearance of the Gorn. The next time we'll see the Gorn live action is the fourth season of Star Trek Enterprise. Name the episode. The episode. Oh, I don't remember. I don't know. We just talked about it a couple of weeks ago. That's not a couple of weeks, but probably like several weeks ago. But I don't remember. Hmm. Yeah. The the episode title of the one in the fourth season with the Gorn. Jeez Louise. Trying to remember the context of what was going yeah, on. Yeah, that would definitely give it to you. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, I just don't remember the context. I, I can't. I don't remember. Well, it was a two-parter on the Defiant. Oh, of course. Okay. In a mirror darkly, part two. Steve Caroline Barry plays the Metron at the end of the episode. She played an engineer on the Enterprise D 21 years later in the episode Home Soil in which season of Next Gen? Which season Home Soil? Uh, I don't remember what, the con- what that one was about. Was it second? No. 
Um, Adam, that's kind of not fair to give it to you, but I'll give it to you anyway. I'll say the third. No, it's the first season. Mm. All right, folks, another original series uh, podcast in the books. Um, it, you know, uh, our annual holiday episode, which is just our episode where we don't do what we usually do, <laughs> uh, is coming up soon. Um, maybe we'll just talk about the new Star Wars uh, Rogue One movie. Maybe. I'm not sure. But if uh, any of our listeners, if you've got any suggestions on things you'd like us to talk about, send us an email. TrekCompanion at gmail.com. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter. That's at Trek Companion. Our Facebook listener page is facebook.com slash Trek Companion. So um, thank you so much for spending an hour with us. And until next time, take it easy. Bye, guys. See you. I passed it.